Welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, an editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. It is one week after Election Day. The results becoming finalized here in Arizona. We're still finalizing a few races, but enough for an analysis here on the podcast. So we'll talk first about the U.S. Senate results and how that's how the national landscape uh, is shaping up. And then second, we'll, we'll look at some implications here for Arizona. And, Dad, your column uh, today, Wednesday, uh, disputes some of the, my first reactions, that, I, that I'll, but I'll just play them out here anyways. Uh, when the results came in the, that McSally was losing, my first reaction was that it's, it, it was a definitive rejection of, of Trump, and, and not just Trump as a person, but, but Trumpism. And I, and I saw... Uh, some some in my, in McSally's campaign, not not just hey I'm an ally with him I support Trump, um, but I saw you know some mimicking of of him in in speeches, um, you know kind of the attitude of being brash you know the the, the advertisements were, were very insulting, uh, but she was quick to to bring those insults especially that last at the end of the last debate, you know bringing that treason charge. A lot of times when she would be questioned about Trump. Um, she would just turn it back on the media and saying, why are you asking me these stupid questions? Like, it's not a, it's not a good question. She was, toward, especially towards the end of the campaign, was pretty pretty aggressive towards that. So I I saw that not, not just as a rejection of we don't want someone that's going to vote with Trump, but that, you know, we don't like this whole, you know, just the whole Trumpism, the, you know, the negative attacks, the ugliness, um, aligning yourself with Trump. I saw that as a rejection of the of the entire thing, um, but you think that's not totally wrong, but mis misguided and, and misses the whole picture. So, so what well, else do you see? Why is why is that? Why is it not so simple as someone ran on Trump, someone ran an ugly campaign, siding with Trump, they lost. It was a Republican in a in a Republican state. Why is that not just a definitive rejection of Trumpism here in Arizona? Well, I, I do believe that uh, Trump was a net negative um, for McSally and Republicans generally in the state. But I believe that despite that, uh, McSally could have won except for two strategic mistakes she made. And those strategic mistakes in part um, do reflect um, your observations about the way in which she conducted her campaign. Her first strategic mistake, in my judgment, was not investing significant amounts of money in telling her own story completely independent of any criticism of cinema. Uh, she has a compelling personal story, and a little bit of the brashness is the fighter pilot combat veteran background. I mean, she comes by that so there's naturally. Often, she's she's there's not just imitating uh, Trump, but she's got a compelling uh, personal story, um, and she was a constructive workhorse, not show horse, uh, member of Congress. She needed to lay that um, so that when it got into the high attack period, in the campaign, there was some positive image of her to provide some resiliency against the attacks 
that she received. And was that not done at all during the primary either? And, and, and it seemed like the primary was almost like who would be the Trump, who could, who could out-Trump each other. The only thing I remember hearing on, on ads during the primary was like, I, I support Trump. No, I support Trump. I support Trump more. Um, should she have done that then or immediately when the primary is over, shift to the, shift to the central and say, okay, this is, I know I just won a primary by out-Trumping someone, but here's who I, here's who I actually am. She needed to do it in a way that straddled the primary and general election because Arizona has such a late primary um, that the time that you have available in the general election to lay a positive predicate about your personal narrative is relatively limited. And um, the outside spending just flowed in uh, against McSally even before the primary was over. But one way or another, in some time period, she, need to, she needed to have invested significantly in establishing her political persona completely independent from I'm a loyalist to Trump or uh, cinema is this radical uh, liberal activist. The second strategic mistake uh, dealt with cinema, the radical liberal activist. Uh, Cinema had that past, uh, and it was fair game to go after it, and it was a target-rich environment. But that is the only thing that McSally ran against. And cinema has a more recent record of being a moderate and constructive uh, member of the House of Representatives. And there needed to be a significant component of the McSally campaign, which said, um, if you believe in the new cinema, uh, I'm still preferable for the following reasons. And there was virtually none of that. And so she was betting everything on running against the old cinema, and that was not successful. Now, if she had done those two things, um, I think there, there's a reasonable uh, possibility, in fact, I would say a probability, that despite the handicap of Trump, she would have won. Cinema uh, uh, carried Maricopa County by about 40,000 votes. Kimberly Yee, the Republican nominee for the state treasurer, and I regard that as sort of the proxy for the default Republican versus Democrat result in Maricopa County, carried Maricopa County by 120,000 votes. So all Cinema needed to do, excuse me, all that McSally needed to do to win uh, was to increase the votes that she got in Maricopa County by about 50, 55,000. And I think the two things that I mentioned uh, would have won her at least that number of votes and allowed her to narrowly carry Maricopa County, which would have been sufficient to win statewide, despite the burden uh, that Trump placed on all Republican candidates but this time around. But isn't that, I mean, the Treasury is a, is a state position. There's nothing a, that the Treasurer can do that's going to influence anything about national politics. Is it possible that um, Amer- uh, Arizonans were discerning between state races and national races in... in uh, yes, but, but the three very conservative 
Republican congressmen from Maricopa County, all carried their races by significant margins. And two of them, David Schweikert and Debbie Lesko, uh, had uh, what was considered high-quality, good Democratic challengers. Um, so I and that was and that's not just having a like a, a bright red district. I mean, yes, but so, but but McSally ran behind. I mean, there, Andy in, Biggs is far more loyal to Donald Trump right. uh, than uh, Martha McSally is. He carried his district with fifty nine percent of the vote. I I doubt that McSally came anywhere close to that in that district. But so, is that so? Let's 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 fast forward maybe to to like a twenty twenty twenty. Um, is there any are Republicans going to, let's say someone tries to primary Trump, is there any indication that that would even be successful in Arizona? Um, is the next, you know, 2020, we're also going to have an open Senate seat race. Is that going to make uh, Republicans pause on hitching their, their wagon to Trump at all? Well, or is this just like, hey, this is just a strategic, I guess, I guess I'm asking, is this going to cause Republicans in Arizona um, to distance themselves from Trump? Um, or will they continue to try to get the Trump base, but then maneuver some different strategies perhaps next time? I, th- I think it is premature to conclude what the status of Trump with respect to the Republican base will be in, in 2020. Um, certainly if Jeff Flake is the primary challenger, he will not... <laughs> in all likelihood, carry Arizona. The exit poll indicated that negative opinion of Flake was at 65%. Um, approval was just 25%. Uh, you might think he can do well in New Hampshire, but he's unlikely to make much of a mark in his home state, which which saddens me because I have a high regard uh, for Jeff Flake. Um, I... I think all bets are off with respect to 2020. We're about to head into an <laughs> incredibly toxic period in Arizona politics. Uh, Trump is tiring. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you, and you wrote, uh, your previous column wrote about how uh, you wish people would just ignore the the tirades and the, and the, and the drama and just run their campaign and... and I think credit to to Cinema for trying to ignore that. Um, oh, Cinema did. She did not run against Trump. Um, and, and I think that's another takeaway in Arizona is that you know the people that won. I think the Democrats that won. You know, compared to David Garcia, you know what a lot of people are talking about. What? Why did David Garcia lose by so much when Cinema and perhaps Katie Hobbs at the Secretary of State level, uh, at the Superintendent of, of Public Instruction, we see three probably three statewide winners, but then you have David Garcia. And and Sandra Kennedy. Right. But then you have David Garcia getting blown out. Maybe that's the strength of of, uh, Ducey's campaign, but I think it's also um, David Garcia ran way to the left and kind of embraced the democratic socialism progressive mindset. Well, all of the democratic statewide winners, except for cinema, are very, very liberal. Um, cinema was unique or unusual. Um, she uh, has 
voted uh, and behaved as a um, centrist uh, in Congress. You can't say that about Katie Hobbs in the Arizona legislature. Um, Kathy Hoffman, uh, I think, um, has pretty liberal views, particularly on social justice issues. Sandra Kennedy is, was a liberal member of the Arizona legislature. She was a liberal member of the Arizona Corporation Commission. Um, so in some ways, their elections are uh, both more impressive and more instructive. Um, Cinema just pretended like she wasn't a Democrat. The word Democrat never appeared in her campaign. Mm -hmm. It was always independent. So sounds like you're saying there's multiple ways that Democrats could win in, 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 in Arizona. Um, well, Mar Maricopa County uh, is no longer a reliably conservative Republican political um, unit. Uh, you could see this coming. Uh, David Garcia, when he ran for superintendent of public instruction in 2014, won Maricopa County, even though he lost in the balance of, of the state. Uh, in 2016, uh, Trump carried Maricopa County by less than he carried the rural counties, excluding Pima. Recreational marijuana was barely uh, defeated in Maricopa County. The margin of victory occurred again from rural counties except for Pima. Uh, and Maricopa County voters elected two Democrats to county offices. Now, there were some peculiar circumstances in terms of the incumbent Republicans um, having serious problems. Uh, and in this election, you had a lot of ticket splitting uh, in Maricopa County uh, and uh, to different, differing degrees. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that Maricopa County, I, th I still think that Yee represents the default position of Maricopa County voters. But uh, no longer can you assume that a mediocre Republican can defeat a, a strong Democratic candidate, mm -hmm. uh, even one that um, can fairly be described as fairly liberal. So the blue wave it was real in Arizona. Um, well, I, I don't think we're no longer in Maricopa County. Maricopa County is sixty-five percent of of uh, the state's electorate. In in Maricopa County, I think we're somewhere between red and purple. Uh, the default position, I think, is still red. Um, but uh, I think. Uh, we have reached a new period in Arizona politics that will be more competitive uh, and that uh, Democrats uh, have reason to believe that they can win in Maricopa County and by winning in Maricopa County, win a statewide election. And nationally, it's quite quick talk about national landscape before we go uh, into some education issues and, and the impact of Red for Ed in Arizona. Nationally, our Democrats feeling just as optimistic, uh, took back the House by a significant margin, um, did not take back the Senate, but with Arizona, it's not as bad as they might have lost their, uh, their lead. Are they feeling very confident uh, moving forward here and especially into, into 2020? It, Democrats in Arizona had a great year. Uh, nationally, you'd have to say that Democrats only had a good year. 
Um, they did take control of the House, but didn't pick up nearly as many seats as was anticipated as much of as a month or two ago. Uh, Republicans increased their numbers in the Senate, although it still will remain a closely divided body. Um, so I don't think Democrats can be that confident on a national level um, that things have shifted in their direction as strongly as Democrats can feel that in Arizona. Um, and I think we're about to head into an incredibly toxic period in American politics um, leading up to the 2020 campaign. I think the Democrat the, op the divided government and the opposition House representatives. The way people will Trump. behave. I mean, Trump will continue to be Trump, and he's a terribly uh, divisive uh, figure. Um, I think uh, Democrats in the House uh, will be trying to take the guy down uh, and uh, investigating him on a wide range of um, matters. Um, and then you've got the competition for the Democratic nomination for president. Uh, and everyone, I mean, the, the, if you look at the people who are lining up to run for that, they're all extremely liberal, and uh, there will be a competition. Except for Biden. Um, Where would you describe him as extremely oh, liberal? Oh, he, he's... I guess I would put him in the category that I put Steve Farley, a, a pragmatic liberal. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that there's an appetite among Democratic primary voters for the anti-Trump, someone who's going to take the bully on. And and, you, and, and, I, you, and I think the candidates will be competing for that. So I think we're just going to have a that, comprehensively toxic political environment for two years. And you think that will backfire on the Democrats if they do try to, you know, investigate everything and it's, you know, find his tax returns, find this, find that, charge him, you know, just try to gum gum things up with, with trying to take him down. If they go in that direction, do you think it will backfire uh, I don't know because I don't know how long uh, Trump will maintain his grip on uh, on the Republican Party. Yeah, as I said, the guy is tiresome. I mean, you get weary mm -hmm. of politics the way that he plays it. Everything's in turmoil all the time, yeah. and he's not going to change. So. Um, while I don't think that's the best strategy for the country, I think it would be nice if we could just kind of settle back and pass budgets and get some stuff done uh, rather than lurching from crises to crises and having politics in such a intense turmoil all the time. I can't say that as a matter of strategy that I believe that it will backfire. Hmm. I wasn't old enough to be following the the Clinton impeachment trial, but there's a there's a podcast out. Um, it's called Slow Burn. It's from Slate. It's kind of a documentary series, uh, audio documentary from the from the Clinton impeachment trials, and it was interesting. I, I listened to that the whole thing a few, a few weeks ago, and uh, it was interesting that just the perception of of Republicans seeming to overstep. Uh, 
the, the, the bounds of, and just try to take a guy down, uh, seemed to backfire. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, looking back, they, they probably regret, um, going all the way to, to impeachment there. Are there any lessons from, from that perception? I mean, cause it seems, it seems like even if we do find that Trump, I think everyone just assumes that Trump has done, sh- done all this shady stuff and it, people assume that he's got, you know, cheat on his tax returns and has all this, it's just kind of baked into the equation. So even if they do find all the scandalous stuff, which they probably will with his businesses and, and, and that he maybe owes money to these, you know, different government agencies and all these, I just don't see that, you know, unless, like you say, unless the Republicans change, change course, I just, I think that would backfire. In, in general, the American electorate isn't going to look kindly on people who want to reverse the decision that they made about who should be president. So I think you 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 have a political um, wind that you're uh, trying to run against to begin with. Um, so it will depend upon the case that they made. Uh, the case with respect to Richard Nixon was about abuses of power while he was president. Mm-hmm. With Bill Clinton, it was abuses and lying about his personal life, mm-hmm. um, not the job he did as president. I think it will be um, less rec- well-received by the voters if the um, Democrats are concentrating on things that Trump did before he became president rather gotcha. than what he did as he was president. But there's also another difference. Uh, Bill Clinton was a very likable fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, he played a consensus-building political game. Uh, Trump is not a likable figure, and uh, how well and how long he will wear with the people who are now loyal to him, mm-hmm. uh, I think remains an open question. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think that Trump has abused his authority as president. And I think impeachment was designed to be mostly limited uh, to uh, malfeasance in office, uh, not things that you did before you got into office or things that are not directly related to your job performance. Yeah. And it seems, I mean, if I was Democrats, I'd be thinking the ultimate goal is to win the election in 2020 for the presidency. So gauging, you know, gauging that as your, as your end game. um, I I oppose the impeachment of Bill Clinton because it was for offenses that was not, were not directed not directly related to his job as president. So let's finish up here talking about uh, the education movement. Another talking point is how, here in Arizona, how much of a role that the Red for Ed movement had on uh, on the election. Uh, what's your uh, what's your takeaway? Uh, Red for Ed make a difference on on election night. People were saying that it, Red for Ed was dead. Uh, David Garcia lost big time. Um, they had already had the uh, 
the tax uh, proposal get get booted off by the Supreme Court. Um, Kathy Hoffman, the superintendent of public instruction, was look was down at that time. So that that perception was, you know, the blue wave didn't come. They were ineffectual. Since then, it's been Democratic wins, and um, their their person one superintendent of public instruction. Uh, how big of a difference did that make on? This election, I, I think Democrats had two things going for them: anti-Trump sentiment and red for red um, grassroots energy. Uh, and I do think it made a difference. I, I think it made a difference in the superintendent's race. I think it made a, a difference in something that was noticeable on election night, and I observed it uh, in uh, reducing the Republican advantage in the Arizona House of Representatives. It went from uh, 35, 25 Republican, and it appears as though it will be 31, 29. I think Red Fred uh, is reasonably uh, credited um, with that narrowing. Uh, there is, I think, however, a paradox here. Uh, I believe that they were effective in part because Invest in Ed was thrown off the ballot. That's because I believe that if, if it had stayed on the ballot, it would have been overwhelmingly defeated, and I think it would have provided a wedge issue in the state legislative races um, that would have helped the Republicans. Um, but that obviously is uh, idle uh, speculation. I think that they, had, they made a difference um, and um, properly can uh, take credit and should mm -hmm. receive credit for it. Yeah, I, I always ask myself, like, what, what is Red for Ed? You know, it, it started out as, you know, teachers that were ostensibly doing a non-union, nonpartisan movement. All those leaders that were starting it were union members. And that, that the organization Arizona Educators United, you know, seems to not even exist anymore. I mean, they're, they're, they've morphed. They morphed very quickly into, you know, right after – um, the this, this strike was over, kind of morphed into activism for, for democratic politics. And that's one of my frustrations as being closely, you know, following it and, and being in it from the beginning is no one's kind of, no one in the media is going to recognize, like, this is, this is not what it was at the beginning. And it probably was never what it, what it said it was at, at the beginning. So now I think we're just, we're just calling it this, this movement. But now all it is is, you know, a, a you know a hashtag, which is a front, which is a now a front, and being used by the any the National Teachers Union and the Arizona Teachers Union, which their their goal is to elect Democrats, and so and so I look at the actual goals of the movement, which they which they made out, which was adding this money back, you know, one million per one uh, one billion extra per year fully fund it back to 2008 levels. And you look at the likelihood and, and, and where are they at compared to those goals? Their tax increase, um, which was, you know, a progressive group that created this invest in ed. It wasn't the teachers that came up with it. Um, but the, the union thread for ed advocated for it, but it, it failed. It, it got booted out. The most likely uh, solution now to the um, to getting that money back would have been 
uh, to restructure the tax code. But now because of Prop 126, which prevents, constitutionally prevents a taxing of services, that's very difficult to do now. Um, especially not having taken over a majority in the, in the Arizona uh, legislative branch. How does that, how do you reach that goal now? What's the practical uh, end to increasing revenue in schools by a billion dollars a year? Um, there's no question that Red for Ed uh, became, and may have been from the beginning, a uh, gra- grassroots activism on education issues on behalf of Democratic candidates. It, it became a partisan organization. There's no question about it. I, how we have a constructive discussion of increasing taxes to, in, to increase funding for education, I'm not sure. And certainly the passage of Proposition 126 uh, makes that more difficult, certainly more complicated in its execution. However, the state is uh, state revenue growth is extremely strong, and uh, there will be lots of claims on that money. I think the success of Red Fred in uh, making the Republican majority in the House so small makes it much more likely that that money will be used to accelerate restoration of funding to K through 12 education uh, from the timetable that Doug Ducey has previously set out. So I do believe that it that that the success of Red for Ed in electing more Democratic um, state house members will result in more funding yeah. for education because state revenue growth is so strong. Yeah, that's a good point. That And that has definitely been a major success of the, of the movement, which is it's at the forefront of, of everything. And it's part of the conversation. And, and you're right that if it doesn't happen, Democrats can use that more to their advantage uh, in the next time. And I think my, I guess I don't even have a problem with it being partisan and, and going towards Democrats. I think my problem is, you said it wasn't at the beginning, so so and and so I just call it just call you know, and now I think there is no even pretending what it is, and that's and that's fine, and they're and you know they are very good. That's what they do is they organize and they and they get out there and 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 their union, you know, that's what they do. So um, I guess more power to them. I just you know the false advertising, you know, authentic advertising. Uh, well, I, what it I, is. <laughs> I, I do think that that the fact that it's become a partisan and progressive cause makes it more difficult to achieve a business community, education community coalition Mm -hmm. to go after a tax increase. Yeah. Um, So uh, while I think they will succeed in getting more funding from existing tax sources, I think they have, by the way that they have transform themselves uh, made it more difficult to create a winning coalition to go to the ballot with a tax increase um, to restore overnight yeah um, what's been what's been lost so I do think 
they did lose something by becoming a partisan um, progressive organization rather than a broad bipartisan um, effort to um, restore as quickly as possible K through 12 funding. Yeah, totally agree. And and they've lost um, a lot of teacher support too. And that's not covering the media or, or any reporting, but there's a significant number of of people who, who feel burned, you know, and, and, uh, and that, I guess that's just a loss of a, of a stronger coalition, you know, with all those other gains in mind. Well, let's leave it there. You watched any Sun ga- Suns games lately? I have. <laughs> Apparently I haven't been I'm, missing much. <laughs> you haven't, but, uh, last, last, last time we talked, we, we tried to see, hear some cheery news, but I do think, I do see a lot of, uh, positive things, even though they're getting blown out every night. Uh, some of the rookies, I think they're going to be good. I think they got a good core. If I had any confidence in the front office to make, you know, to make good long-term moves, uh, you know, I would be very optimistic right now. Um, that's the only thing I think for me. I, you know, I see these young guys, Mikel Bridges, um, Akobo, point guard, Aiton, a little timid sometimes. Uh, he, he could use Amari Stoudemire's aggressive mindset, but. Um, on the flip side, he's he's patient, making good making good decisions, often uh, good passer out of the post. Thanks everyone for listening. This is the Political Notebook podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. <laughs>